following podcast contains adult materials such as swearing and mathematics. We'll let you decide which is scarier. Moreover, we of course know everything about the presenter mathematics. But if you think we've made a mistake, think of it as an application of Cunningham's Law. The best way to get the right answer on the internet is to post the wrong one. That's our excuse, and we're sticking with it. Good day and good night, depending on when you're listening with us. We are Maths at the Movies, and simply put, we are two academics and an angel watching movies with a mathematical bent. I think I might accept that one. <laughs> are you? Oh, no, I've got 26 of these. But anyway, my, I am your co-host, Thomas Woolley, and joining me now and forever is the amicable Ben Parker and the amorous Liz. How are you guys? Hello, I'm great. What a day. <laughs> I'm feeling particularly mathematical today. I feel like excellent, I feel like all my math synapses are firing. Uh, that that brings me on to an interesting point because I'm very nervous about this one. Really? This is a very very pure mathematical film. Why don't we tell people what it is first? Oh, oh yes, no, the film. Right. Gosh, good point. <laughs> good point. Let's start at the beginning. The conceit of the podcast is we remove a move. We remove. We review a movie. I did all that at the beginning. So we should talk about what the movie is. No, 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 but I, I, think, I think I've got a new idea for a podcast, which is where we just talk about a film, and at the end, people have to write in and tell us which one they thought it was. <laughs> Actually, that's not bad. That's a really good... That could be part of the puzzle. What film were we talking about? <laughs> I like that, actually. Maybe we should do that. But no, let's start. The film we watched this week was The Man Who Knew Infinity, a biopic of uh, the, the amazing, brilliant mathematician Ramanujan. And like I say, I've worked with outreach people and I always find it painful to watch people who aren't experts in their own field talking about something. If, if they're talking about whatever they want to talk about, they're beautiful, they shine, they glow. If you ask them to talk about something else... Ugh. Are you a pure mathematician, Tom? I'm, a, I'm very much applied, very much applied. Liz, are you a pure mathematician? Um, I don't think I'm a pure anything. So what you're saying, anyway, is that none of us have any background in pure mathematics particularly. So yeah. uh, none of us have any background in movies, film studies, media studies. But yet... <laughs> well, we're... let's face it, let's face it. You can always blag these kind of things. You know, media studies, what's that? Oh, oh my God. So oh. welcome to Maths at the oh. Movies, everyone. <laughs> Blagging the... Uh, what are you doing? Man in your infinity. And that's the readership halved to one. <laughs> Leadership? You see, that's why we're so bad. We don't even know how we're talking to people. uh, Lorraine listens to this, so we've got one person. Uh, Your wife. My wife, Lorraine, yes. Your wife, Lorraine. Do you know, do you you think that people listening to this will think your your wife is fictional? Like Columbo? (laughs) You met Mr. Maddering and Columbo. Their wives never turned up. Hey, hey, well, I can prove this. The intro and the outro... Is my wife. So there you go. I can prove I've got a wife because she does the intro and outro. I mean, that's I... not proof. Yeah. That's well, a good point. But what is We're proof? We're going to get into this a lot. What is proof? <laughs> you guys taught me a couple of weeks ago what proof was, and what you said wasn't one. Right. That's so true. The rain is not true. proof. <laughs> <laughs> what was this film about, anyway? I mean, maybe we should tell people that. Let's let's get to the movie zone. Let's go. The to movie. The... Okay, so the movie that we watched this week was The Man Who Knew Infinity, or as I called it to my boyfriend this morning, The Man Who Knew Too Much About Pi. 
That'll be a great film. Espionage <laughs> thriller. So the story, based on the true story of Ramanujan, um, who was a famous mathematician, and uh, the story tells uh, starts with Ramanujan in uh, Madras, I think, looking for someone, looking for a job. He finds this kind of patron in a chap called Hardy. Anyone first name? What's his name? Godfrey. 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 Harold Hardy. Harold Hardy, who was a professor at Trinity. So um, Ram Nugent goes to Trinity, um, where he has a kind of slightly difficult relationship with Hardy. Ramanujan kind of has all these mathematical theories, which he just is absolutely certain are true. Um, and Hardy kind of forces him to prove them. Um, meanwhile, people are not kind to Dev Patel, which they should be. <laughs> so he, he faces a, a lot of racism and prejudice. So meanwhile, they, they do some awesome mathematics. They prove some stuff. They do very well. The, the two men become close in their way. And then Ramanujan eventually becomes uh, ill and dies. And the end. T- t- towards the end of his life, sort of starts to get the recognition that he deserves as a as a genius mathematician. Yeah, standard underdog story, really. I, I have huge problems with all biopics or biopics, however you want to say it, Ben, because you've got to squeeze an entire life into an hour and a half. So it all feels like it happens in a weekend. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, what can you say about the film? Indian guy goes to Cambridge, learns maths. I mean. There we go. I I would like to expand on that, <laughs> but I can't. I I realised something quite profound when I was watching this film. Right. Oh, excellent. Um, excellent. Which is that I don't like it when people are mean to Dev Patel. I found it. <laughs> I found it very difficult. I just I was so sad for him. Is is this purely Dev Patel though, or is and, that just any? Well, Slumdog Millionaire. People are mean to him. Made me sad. Yep. This film, people are mean to him, made me sad. He's got. I've got to say, face. people are also mean to him in a Best Exotic Marigold Hotel as well. And but he's just he's got a nice <laughs> face, and I don't like seeing it sad. Um, so I found it, I, I found it quite a troubling film because because they were so mean. I've got to say, there there is that scene. Um, so as, as Ben said, that the film is essentially. Indian goes to Cambridge, learns some maths, does pretty well. But there is a scene in the middle when they all go to World War One, where some young army officers harass and beat up Ramanuja. I don't I don't know if this is true. I, this may have been for artistic effect, but they, they beat him up for uh, studying in Cambridge whilst they're away fighting for freedom, his freedom and their freedom. It seemed a bit weird. I was in my A-level uh, French class and we were reading a book by Albert Camus, who... Uh... Where are you going with this? You do know this is a maths podcast, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, uh, I want to show I've got some breadth to me, and I'm not just a one-trick okay. pony, Tom. Um, so we were reading this book in French for about uh, four months, and um, at the end of the term or whatever... You were a you know, slow reader, man. Uh, they, they were talking about assassinating the Archduke, which in French is the Archduke or something. Um <laughs> My friend genuinely came out after three or four months. So I sort of said, well, I can't understand. Why were they trying to kill the big duck? <laughs> <laughs> so as we all know, First World War was started when the uh, big duck got assassinated. The big duck was killed. And then they so formed... is that like Big Bird off of Sesame Street? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a bit of trouble in the Balkans and all that business. Um, but um, no. Anyway, um, maths. Back to maths. 
But I, I must say, going back to the movie, it did remind me very much. What what I what I particularly liked about the movie is, you know, how generally when you do a period piece, you yeah. have to you know cover up all the TV aerials, you have to remove all the cars from the street, you have to <laughs> remove any sign that in the last century has happened. Walking into Trinity College, Cambridge, nothing has changed. A yeah. hundred years ago, I like absolutely nothing has changed whatsoever. So it must have been the easiest job possible for the film producers. <laughs> Including their outlooks on the First World War? I don't. I think they probably think it's still happening. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Cambridge. but So it, it was nice to see it, but it, it slightly ruins it growing up there because you're like, eh, seen it. <laughs> it holds no mystique uh, just, for you. Which is terrible. And, you know, it's not that I'm not filled with awe at kind of at, at many things. Um, but it's just, you know, it's kind of where they made us go and do carol concerts when I was 12. Uh. Um, so when I kind of see these colleges, I kind of go, oh, that's pretty. <laughs> oh. Or like, you know, when I was 17, I went and tried to pull someone in their bar and claimed that I was a theology student. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. That was, that How old were you? That wasn't Trinity. Oh, 17. At, at 17. Dear me. It seemed quite Dear cool me. to try and to, to try and snog a university. Hold on, were you trying to use it? Yeah, I'm a biology student. I know all the different parts. <laughs> Do you know what, Tom? I didn't know that line. And if I had, my life might have turned out very differently. <laughs> I, might have mar- I might have married well. <laughs> there you 17. go. There you- well, I say Lorraine was a biologist and I'm a biomathematician. So you can see where how I got that line from that. Um, actually, do you know do you know the mathematician's chat up line? Oh God, here we go. <laughs> it's horrible. It Is really it? it makes my flesh crawl whenever I, I the first time I heard it was horrible. Um, hey, hey, I'm a mathematician. I'd love to integrate your curves. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, it doesn't even really make any sense. Not really. No, no. Not really. Uh, no. I mean, how, how about just something very pure, like, hey, let's multiply. That's pretty good. <laughs> hey! You've obviously done this before. Um, but no, so, so well, yeah. Yeah, let's get back to the film. So the yeah, film. What, what were your thoughts on the film, though? I mean, Dev Patel, you obviously liked. I did. I, did, I mean, I actually really liked the film. I did. I thought it was, um, I thought it was sweet. I thought it was sad, but you can't, um, you can't. Be too angry with the film for being sad when it's based on a true story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like certainly, certainly. And the performances were fantastic. I mean, Dev Patel, Jeremy I've Irons. I've got to say, my favourite one was Jeremy Irons. He, he, I know the film is about Ramanujan, but his performance of G.H. Hardy. Yeah. Mwah, I even mwah. looked like him as well. I mean, I've only seen he, he a He did have that shade, yeah. No, he, but he, he like... Oh, brilliant. Uh, the one performance I, I, I thought was a little laboured, and I hate to say it because he is a prince amongst men, is the cameo Stephen Fry playing Lord, <laughs> Lord Melchard in the Indian accounting office. He really was, wasn't he? Ah, black and over. Ah, black and over. Yeah, he was, exactly. But then, I mean, he wasn't given, he wasn't given much. He wasn't he, given much you know, I mean, What else was he given? I mean, he, his direction was, go on, go on the camera and be Stephen Fry. Ah. I guess the thing the thing I didn't like about the movie though was there was so much kind of like oh here's India and look what a shithole if you're part of my French ears and oh look how Cambridge is the promised land and oh here's India and everyone's very poor and everyone's very poor and here's Cambridge isn't it wonderful <laughs> um, and, and then they did a good bit in the middle with some maths in it okay and I like the bit with the maths in it okay not enough maths See, but... I didn't get that at all from... really yeah I didn't get that I I mean I, I thought that. They kind of, I thought that he was sort of shown having a life in India where he's happy with his wife. And then, 
um, I, I thought it was it was kind of a heartbreaking depiction of of the kind of terrible. Now I don't know how much that they certainly took certain liberties with that aspect of the story because I <clears throat> I read up uh, afterwards the film and he got married at twenty one and his bride was ten years old. No. Oh. So and and I'm not there's no judgment here because the difference between my parents is eleven years so you know obviously yeah. and that's their culture. Um, and I, I did read that she didn't live with him until she came of age. Okay. But that certainly wasn't in the film. She was a lot older than 10 years old. Uh, and I think there were a few things like he didn't live in Madras. He didn't come from Madras. He moved there. It's like there were various things. which, are, But, the, you know, you I have to say, from reading the biography and things, he did. He certainly was poor. Let's yes. not put it bones about that. But he was supported. People really did see his genius. While, and he was published whilst in India. Yes, so oh, it, it wasn't as bad as this film is making out, I don't feel. Okay. I mean, I, I, the, the bit that I found heartbreaking was less the kind of wife storyline, which I did think was a little bit kind of shoehorned. Yes, it, yeah, it really didn't go anywhere for me. It really didn't. But, but the, his treatment in Cambridge at the hands of, of many of the academics, I mean, I don't know how true that is, but I mean, mm, was, mm. that was genuinely, I mean, it made me, I mean, people were mean to Dev Patel and I don't <laughs> like it. Yeah. I've got, on this point, though, about um, you know uh, the casts uh, having a uniformly good uh, performance, think about all the films we've had so far. Maths films draw in big names. We've had Kevin Spacey, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, Donald Duck, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Donald Duck's a very big name. Big yeah. names here. So yeah. you know, math- mathematics obviously draws them in. So I mean. Uh, the, I mean, the other bit about the film, which I thought didn't quite work for me, is it just kind of ended. They got to 100 minutes and were like, yeah, and he went over <laughs> <laughs> <That's good laughs> And his wife yeah. And you're like, well, uh, you know, and a lot of his good work he did after that time, I believe. Um, I, I think there was certainly some sort of legacy, which was never sort of really followed up. Um, the beginning bit about, oh, isn't it sad? He's growing up in India. He's got no money. Bit boring. You know, the whole wife... Uh, I've got to say, it went on far too long for me. I've got to agree that did go on far comes too to, Comes to England, talks about mathematics for a while. Bit of politics in the colleges. Love that bit. Love the mathematics. Goes home and dies. Boring. Okay, I don't know. They'd obviously just said, all right, we spent the budget. 100 minutes. Nobody cares anymore. Um, but I mean, it's a difficult thing to do. It's a really difficult. I mean, I was looking at some of the stuff he you know, Ramanujan uh, did in his lifetime and thinking, how would you explain that to a popular audience? That, um, no, that, this is why I'm worried because yeah. I can I can feel one of uh, Liz's questions coming, which is, what's the point? Oh, that I can see this train heading directly towards us, yeah. and I'm standing in its way. Okay. I mean, uh, I've never been described as a train before. But, but okay. <laughs> um, so um, apparently uh, in the film it's portrayed that he had tuberculosis, which is what they thought. But yep. apparently they've um, you know gone back and checked the symptoms and found that probably he didn't have tuberculosis. He probably yep. had another disease, yep. which I can't remember. And that was it was also actually the plot of Hamlet. Do you remember oh, that really? bit? Yeah, TB or not TB? Uh, that is the question. Oh, I fell into that. I just there's the pit. I <laughs> No, what I was going to say is the sad thing about I, again I can't I can't remember like Ben what the new um, uh, prognosis was, but apparently the it was prognosis is dead pro- already. You mean the, the diagnosis? diagnosis. Sorry, di- what the diagnosis? The new diagnosis. Prognosis is he's dead, doctor. <laughs> he's, it ain't going to get better. He's not coming back. <laughs> the new diagnosis was actually quite uh, curable. Oh. oh. 
That's sad. Yeah, yeah that yeah. Um, can I before before we finish on the film? Can I just also point out that my my favorite kind of university movie trope happens. Uh, we mentioned it, did. it in I, I, the first film, which is the two minute lecture. When I saw that, I thought of you. It was like, oh, Liz <laughs> is going to love so, that. So this is where like he goes into the lecture. The entire lecture is delivered in two minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair to them, it does at least in this film, it does kind of appear to be partway through the yeah. lecture. But um, so it, in in um, what's the first one we watched? Twenty one. In twenty one, I mean, it it does just seem to be the whole lecture is two minutes. Long. Oh, I wish I could but, get my um, lectures in two minutes. So 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 do all your students. <laughs> ben, have you ever given a lecture? Yes. And a student. Oh, good. That's a good start. And a student has answered a question. Were no. you angry at them? Uh, no, no, well, look, I mean, I've spent, I, I spent my time trying to get students to engage in any way whatsoever. <laughs> and you sort of, I would love that. You sort of say, you know, does anyone, can anyone solve this equation? And they all sort of look at, because they're all too afraid to do anything. And then you sort of yeah. say, uh, well, okay, well, well, you know, what happens if we just do this bit? And like, one of them will sort of tentatively put their hand up and the others will glare daggers at them. They're like, <laughs> lectures should be a participation sport, but everyone's too afraid yes. to join in. Yep. Um, yep. But, do you know what? Get a, be- get a beanbag, throw it at them, just say you. Because then they'll, whoa, 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 they'll get so whoa, whoa, scared. A beanbag, they're really heavy things, aren't they? Not, not a big one. So <laughs> <laughs> like get a chair, throw it at a student. <laughs> Just get get. Do you know what? When I when I taught, I used to teach with a meter stick in my hand, um, because we used to we used to use it for some of the Star Trek activities we did. But whoa, 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 whoa. Did any of that make sense to anyone? <laughs> Although I right, do now so, have this image um, of you in my mind, Liz, as the stern mistress. <laughs> I'm now imagining Tom in a sort of skimpy leather outfit and a meter stick. You'll learn, learn your mathematical biology. If they again, as as we were saying, if that would get my students to learn, I would gladly do that. Um, anyway, to get them to answer questions, I would just sit at the front with my meter stick and just lean forward and tap on the tap on the desk of the child I wanted to ask. Hold on, hold on. Rather than Liz, giving them the choice. Liz, Liz, Liz. Were you yeah. wearing a low cut top of it? No. I was. Do you know what? I was super naive. I was twenty one. Yeah. You know, I hadn't had much attention from boys at university, so I was like, oh, no one would ever find me attractive. Little knowing that fourteen-year-old boys find everybody attractive. <laughs> and with that, let us go to the math zone. The math zone, yeah. yeah. So I've got questions. Excellent, excellent. And like I say, I'm terrified of these questions. I have no idea. What's okay. Coming. Well, let's start with partitions. Yes, Ooh. I knew you would. Now they explain it quite well in the film. Okay. They do, don't they? So I sort of understand what it is, but I don't understand why you would... I knew that question was coming. So I looked this up. Oh, good for you. All maths is a game. I can't remember who said it, but a mathematician at work is a child at play. Mathematicians just look for patterns. They look for beauty. And I think this is what this film kind of tried to um, show the audience was there is... G.H. Hardy wrote a book called, well, he wrote an essay that was turned into a book called A Mathematician's Apology, which set out a manifesto stating that he, as a pure mathematician, has neither done no good nor ill in his life. And that's what mathematics is. It's just patterns. And that's if you can find a pattern, you want to understand that pattern. 
Well, so, so the question is why so there partition was, theory? There was a quote in the movie which said, uh, uh, maths is like a painting, but with colours you cannot see. Um, and in maths, these patterns uh, reveal themselves. There was also a quote in the movie where he said, I've got a, a gra- I've got a handful of sand. Imagine if you could see every grain. There's patterns everywhere. That's yeah. a non sequitur if I ever heard one. Yes, it was a bit. Also, I... I can see every grain. I could, yeah. I mean, if you look really closely, Dev. This was nineteen fourteen. Okay. Uh, well, they well, didn't well, have well, microscopes. Tom, 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 were you just mean to Dev Patel? No, no. I was, I was, I was informing Dev Patel that if you look really closely, Dev, you can. Anyway, right. What do partition? So it's actually interesting. So as I mentioned, G.H. Uh, Hardy's uh, mathematician's apology. So in it, he states he's never done any ill or good for the world because he's pure. Interestingly, a lot of his theories now are finding practical uses. But um, including partition theory. So partition theories actually are very useful in statistical theory, uh, Bose-Einstein condensation. I've got a whole page of things listing these. Potts models, statistical mechanics, uh, microcanonical fluctuations of both systems, ground state, occupation number. <laughs> so apparently they're very useful. I do not know about any of these. Can you go over a little, uh, just quickly again what it is? Uh, okay. Well, I'll give you I'll give you an example which is similar <laughs> but different. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So this is like this, <laughs> this is like when you've you know it's like when you get a question on Hamlet and you haven't read it and you say well look you know uh, Hamlet was a great guy um, and if he'd have been in Scottish he would have found himself in much the same position <laughs> as Macbeth. Um, a friend of mine rang me up and said, "Oh, my kid's got some maths homework. I was wondering if you could help with." And this happens unbearingly, free, unbearingly, unbearably a lot. Um, Because friends are like, oh, you know maths, you must know all of mathematics, okay? We don't, okay? And she ran. Do you get the thing where you're at a restaurant and they ask you to split the bill because you're a mathematician? Yes, Uh, but I'm quite good at that. You've got a calculator on your phone. I'm quite good at that. Uh, There's an app for that, anyway. Uh, But they wrote me up and said, oh, my son's just got, or my grandson's just got some homework. He wants to know how many ways there are of making two pounds out of change, okay? So you've got a two pound coin. Or you've got two one pound coins, or four fifty p's, or twenty ten p's, or two hundred one pennies, and I was like, "Oh well, um, I'll, I'll give you a call back." And I happened to be sitting with um, a couple of professors having a drink that evening, um, which is, of course, not something we often do because we um, we're too busy with our mathematics. And we were like, "That's a really good question." Um, and we started sort and of. It turns out to be a research question. Uh, sort of. So you sort of sit down and you say, okay, well, let's. Uh, we can't do it for 200. We can't do it for two pounds. So let's sit down and we think about, well, can we do it? Okay, so for one penny, you can only make one penny out of one pence. Yep. For two pennies, you can only make two pennies out of either one plus one or two. Yes. Okay, so these are these are very similar to partitions, only. Uh, in, in, my ex- in my example with the coins, we've made it a little bit easier because we've restricted to um, coins that exist. Mm, mm. Um, so, you know, if anyone's listening not in the UK, we have slightly different coins from you. OK, we have one, two, ten, twenty, <laughs> not one, two, ten, twenty five, because why would you want a twenty five pence coin? OK, what would be very useful, actually, in one of the political parties uh, introduced was to have a ninety nine pence coin. Because then you can get rid of all that nasty change. Is that true? Is uh, that it true? was it was official monster raving 
loony party policy. Oh, it must have raving loony party, yeah. right? For uh, okay, not mainstream. Uh, anyway, the point is, this question is really interesting, okay? And I thought about it for a while, we thought about it, and then we went back to our drinking. Um, and when I got <laughs> home, the only way I could solve this problem was to write a, uh, math- a computer oh, you, program. You just brute force it. A simple computer program. And it turned out, for like 200, there was something like 10,000 different combinations of doing it. I, I can't wow. remember offhand. Okay. Uh, I, can, I can put the code on our, our fabulous maths app website, oh, no, uh, if you like. Yes, uh, no, I think, uh, please do. Please do. We'll put it up. Do you know, I really hope that your, your friend's kid's teacher knew that. And this kid, this kid just wouldn't leave. So this alone. kid then printed out the sort of all the combinations. I can't, I, I can't have been ten thousand actually because he printed it out in like half a dozen pages, and he printed it out and said, "Here you go." Um, and <laughs> and um, there was very smug about it. Um, and you know, I think this shows a valuable lesson, which is if you can't do your homework, ring somebody up more qualified. <laughs> I, I think. I mean, you know, these partitions are, are probably. Um, relatively useless in a in a theoretical. I, I'm sure somebody will come up with some way of finding out. But I mean, let's go back to prime numbers, okay? People have been fiddling with prime numbers since you know. I, I don't know who came up with the prime number first. Archimedes, yeah. yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, two and a half thousand years old. People have been fiddling with them, and then somebody come along in about 1960 Wibble and said, "Well, look, we need a way to share credit card numbers securely." Um, and what numbers are very difficult to crack? Prime numbers. Yep, okay, yep. so the uh, you know people say, oh well, maths is useless. Uh, the point is, okay, one, the maths application itself can be useful, and two, it's the way of thinking that is useful. It's not just oh, that's the result. Very good point. Very good point. I mean, this is one thing that stu- I tell students. You know, you're you're being trained as a mathematician, but the skills you're gaining can be applied. What do mathematicians do? Anything. You're a problem solver. You can do anything. And also, like, you know, nobody would say, nobody would say, well, why do you do art? Why do you do sculpture? OK, what's the what's the point of that? You know, you could go, you could go out and you could, you know, bake bread and give it to the poor. Or you could sit there and craft Michelangelo's David. OK, both have value. Um, and there was a quote in um, uh, the, the movie, Bertrand Russell. So they truncated it. But I'm going to read the full quote. OK, and I, I think we should all take a deep breath. So everyone's sitting carefully. <sighs> Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I mean, do we have to hold our breath during the quote? Wait, yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't. Okay, but you can if you want. So, uh, okay, here we go. Everyone do right. Bertrand Russell from his History of Western Philosophy. Mathematics, rightly viewed, possesses not only truth, but supreme beauty. A beauty cold and austere, like that of sculpture, without appeal to any part of our weaker nature, without the gorgeous trappings of painting and music, yet sublimely pure and capable of a stern perfection, such as only the greatest art can show. Breathe out! Exhale! We're there! <sighs> so what was what I heard there, what I heard there was wanky-wank, wank-wank-wank, wanky-wank-wank-wank. Oh, Tom! You're such an applied mathematician! <laughs> Maths is beautiful for its own sake. Why do it we is, have I to... agree with you. I agree with you, but I, I, it, whenever anyone tries to exposit it, it always just sounds very wanky. <laughs> oh, my word! I, I, I believe it, I believe in beauty of mathematics. When I, I did a course on Galois theory, it's one of the purest courses I've ever done. Yeah, and it really was. Is that incredible. how you smoke I, sort of dodgy French cigarettes? Yeah, <laughs> it was always this big thing that you could never solve the quintic and beyond. I always wondered why. Why can you never do that? And it was beautiful. The theory just fit together, and it was like a beautiful tower as the as the theory extended. It just worked so well. 
I can't tell you a single thing of how it works now, but I just remember that awe of the theory. But that's not important, okay? You know, we listen to music. Who cares how it works? So, you know, by doing it and playing it, we don't necessarily remember it, but, you know, we train our brain and we learn something. I think there is a difference between music and art and maths, which is that music and art have a kind of quite a universal appeal, Ooh. whereas maths is, is really only beautiful to the person doing it. It's only beautiful after you've done an undergraduate degree in it. But this is the same, this is the same with music. You know, if you don't take people to see classical music when they're young, they say, oh, well, classical music, why would anyone want to listen to that? Yeah, and I'm the same. I'm just as bad. If somebody says, oh, come and listen to some drum and bass, I'll be like, uh, uh, I okay, don't know what I, I, I think there are analogies here. Okay, so as Ben says, there's classical music and there's an undergraduate in mathematics. There's pop music and there's outreach. <laughs> I mean, I kind of disagree. I, I think I, I'm going to disagree with right? you okay, that, okay. that um, classical music is necessarily kind of the, the more complex, superior... I didn't say superior. Um, no, I, I, sister they both, or brother they hope, of, they both of, have of like, drum and bass. I mean, they're both... They're, they, they're just a different style. I mean, there's a book called The Music of the Primes, isn't there? Oh, Marcus de Sotoy. Yeah, so, I mean, that was his sort of theory. Is that, you know, these things are beautiful. It's like making music. He does actually have um, a piece of music made from the primes. Oh, and it's I've heard noise. that. Yeah. It's... I've heard it too, because Ben sent it to me. Oh, I did, didn't I? <laughs> oh, we, should, we should put that on the, uh, on the beautiful website, which will be... Uh... If, if, you, if you can send it to me, I will, I will put it up. Right. Oh, and that reminds me. So let's go back a week or two weeks or however long ago we last posted a podcast. So, uh, Liz, you gave us a set of numbers to look into. Oh, yeah. Um, whatever, what were the set of numbers? Oh, God, let's not go there again. Well, it was seven, nine, four, eight, whatever. Yeah. And, Ben, did you find anything? Uh, do you know what, Tom? You didn't even look, did you? I've been very busy writing a paper last week. I'm really busy. <laughs> I was washing my hair, my cat broke. <laughs> um, I had to take my fridge in for servicing. No, of course I didn't. I've got better things to do. <laughs> Well, I um, did. Uh, they they were the numbers were nine seven four eight five. Oh wait 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 hold on whoa 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 nine seven. <laughs> what did you did you say nine seven? <laughs> I thought I got the wrong list. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see some random numbers, go to the website. <laughs> So I did actually look into a set of numbers. So let's just just remind people what we're doing, okay? (laughs) There were a set of numbers in the Donald Duck Math Magic movie, (laughs) which Liz has transcribed. She's then passed them across to Tom, who, Chinese (laughs) Whispers, has drawn them into some random diagram, which can be put on the website. Nobody cares! The random set of numbers! (laughs) Nobody's even listening to us. (laughs) <laughs> when when you Tom when when you sent me those pictures I, I saw them and I was like they're very pretty pictures but Tom we're doing a podcast yes. what, what I, I think was going Tom, to put it on the website one thing I think Tom has done I is think... use the directions of the random numbers to sort of do some etch-a-sketch essentially yes, and gone right and then yeah. so left and it was then like a, a turtle you know the way BBC turtle we'd say go west three north four left five so I did that with your set of numbers, but apparently I got the wrong set of numbers. Yeah, and you p- produced something totally uninteresting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is this a well-known thing? 
loop. It's called a loop de loop diagram. A loop de loop diagram, named yes. after the French mathematician Monsieur Loop de Loop. Yes, Jean Claude. <laughs> okay, more questions. Hold did on. We, did we answer the partition theory? Yeah. Okay. So I, I think I'm all right on the partitions. That that basically there wasn't a use for them, but there kind of has been since. Yes. My next question concerns proofs. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna cast your minds back to the movie. I can Proof. see yes. the train. It's heading towards yep. where, me. Where? <laughs> Tom can't call me a train. <laughs> so in the movie Proof, we talked a lot about Proof. I've proved the thing. It's good. This is what Proof is. But in in this film, Ramanujan is basically like, I don't need to do a Proof. And I thought Max was proofs. Yes, yes. So I guess you've got theories and proofs. Proofs are like the journey to the theorem. Is that, well, is that true? I, right. So I, I read Stephen Wolfram's blog post on this, and I thought it was an interesting take because what he was suggesting Ramanujan was doing was he was an experimentalist with numbers. As you know, there's this there's, um, this uh, quote about um, every every integer is Ramanujan's friend. He could. He was an amazing calculator, mental uh, in terms of mental arithmetic. So he could think up these amazing formulas. He could see that they were true in in a number of cases because he could calculate them. But he then didn't go to that next step of prove that they were true in all cases. So there is this thing now where you can, because we have computers, we can experiment, we can mine numbers, we can try different theories out in in in, in our computers. But there has to be that next stage. If you're going to claim this is true for all numbers, you have to have proof. I mean, the, the formulae that he seems to be writing down are kind of complicated. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's some. De- I think there's some debate about this. Well, I mean, one one of the things I've seen is that he did use proofs. Oh and, yes, he you know, did. Maybe he yeah, didn't on, he have did, the yes. same background. Uh, no, no, but even before, when he was working on his own, essentially in India, um, but yeah, because yeah. the paper he had access to was scarce. Yes. He um he you know sketched the proofs out and um he used a, a white a blackboard a whiteboard he wasn't using a whiteboard in nineteen fourteen <laughs> was it but he used a blackboard to actually you know do the proofs and come up with the theory and then he just write down the final yes. result yeah. um so you know he probably understood what the concept of proof was but that did co- that did cause problems though because one of the theories theorems that he sent to Hardy was that he'd created a formula for the number of primes less than some number n. And he actually got that wrong. So this is one of his quite famous mistakes. Um, and he got it wrong because he didn't know anything about complex analysis. And so complex analysis is when you have the square root of minus one, you have I, the number I. Yeah, num- letters are numbers now. That's how crazy we are. Uh, and because he didn't understand any of that, he completely missed out certain terms in his formula. So his formula worked for low numbers because you didn't have this factor screwing everything up. But as you pushed further outside of his region of being able to calculate, this term became more and more prominent and it didn't work. So, yeah, I mean, I think a proof does two things. A proof is the means by which you communicate to someone where your intuition comes from. So normally I think most mathematicians will start off with something, and you know, come up with the answer. And then you have to sort of, you know, justify why the answer is correct. And it's, it, you know, it can also be instructive because you can you can sort of look at the assumptions and you can see, you know, maybe you could generalise it to something yeah, else. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's kind of like saying, okay, you know, every time I go out and I have a bottle of red wine, I end up sleeping in the gutter um, (laughs) underneath Waterloo Station. Um, So, you know, you've got your theorem there and you've got your result. So, you know, if you don't want to end up um, sleeping in the gutter underneath Waterloo Station, then maybe you should see whether it's a bottle of red wine or half a bottle of red wine. wine. So you could check... Yeah, or white wine, or, you know, you might have a gin and tonic or something and change your lifestyle. <laughs> I've slightly lost the maths, and I, I think I've just heard a story about Ben having a bottle of red wine, one thing <laughs> leading to another. And, and ending up in a gutter. how everyone should see the, li- see the light and turn to gin. <laughs> but I think there, we have to be careful here, because, I mean, what you're kind of talking about there is, is kind of the scientific principle. Yes. Test, hypothesis, predict, yeah. test. That's the cycle. Well, I am a statistician. Mathematic, mathematical proof is slightly different because it's not empirical data that you're testing your theory against. It's a logical argument. And so if you get it right, if your argument is logic, it will last forever. It's not smoking is now good for you, smoking is now bad for you. It's this is true for now and forevermore. Okay, so this leads me to another question. Although I'm not sure we've answered that one. I had some smaller questions first but maybe yeah. i should ask the big one let's do a quick fire round okay yeah. um how do abacuses work to solve <laughs> difficult math? next question go <laughs> bad <laughs> badly i think <laughs> because the, the guy was saying like to, to ramanujan he comes in he's like how did you do this without your abacus and i'm like well an abacus must help well the thing is um is sometimes you can find it's easier to do s- small sums uh, easier in your head um but on, on abacus here's my limited understanding don't you have sort of hundreds of tens in a unit so you're just flicking them back and forth well i and i, I think it's like you know have you seen this thing how um uh, is it chinese students are taught to multiply in a totally different way yes. they're taught sort of long multiplication totally different to to you know western people they do i don't know how they do it they draw some diagram and it's a lot quicker yeah. um but I, I guess the abacuses are just better for certain operations. Yeah. So I guess for, you know, uh, multiplying things with lots of digits. I, I don't know. Clive Sinclair invented the pocket calculator for a reason. <laughs> and the Sinclair C5. Make a lot of money. Well, that was a rubbish car. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, wasn't he great? No. Anyway, next question. Next question. Dragons dead. next question. When I was little, my sister and I used to play the square root game. I can't have been that little. I must have been about... 14. Your life yeah. intrigues me. <laughs> she would she would have a, a calculator and, and she would give me a number between between one and a hundred, I think. One and two hundred. And I had to give her the square root to like the one decimal place, probably. I was quite good at it. I didn't get it right every time, but anyway. You are an enigma wrapped inside a mystery, wrapped inside the shell of a, a treasure chest. <sighs> Do you know what though? Ultimately I preferred English. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, right, next question. Yes. What is the negative value of a gamma Ooh, function? I knew this was... Again, that train has <laughs> run me over. Here we go. Right, now, what, one thing that Ramanujan did a lot of, and I've actually seen his textbooks, his, his notebooks, and he, he wrote... Incre- his, his maths was amazing. He wrote just sort of single lines of formulas. And what he did a lot of was infinite series. So uh, an infinite series, as you might guess, is an infinite number of terms. You add or add them all up and you get something at the end. And you want to find a formula for what that thing at the end it converges to. So, for example, let me give you an example of an infinite series. One plus one quarter plus one ninth plus one sixteenth plus one twenty fifth and so on. So what you're doing there is one over one squared plus one over two squared plus one over three squared plus one over four squared. So 
Have a guess what that converges to. How just have a guess. Oh, is it two? Is it one and a half? Pi squared over six. Shut up. No, and I've proved them. Uh, that, that was a part of my undergraduate, first year undergraduate degree. To prove that is incredibly complex. But it does. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. and it's, in, it's a wonderful result. There is a formula which you can get from that add addition to the uh, pi squared over six. Now, we can generalise that. Instead of doing 1 over 1 squared plus 1 over 2 squared plus 1 over 3 squared, blah, blah, blah. You can say, well, what is 1 over 1 to the x plus 1 over 2 to the x plus 1 over 3 to the x? And then x is your variable. You're, you're changing that x. Mm -hmm. And that is the gamma function. So that's simple. What the gamma function is, is just 1 over 1 to the x plus 1 over 2 to the x and so on. Add it up to infinity. Okay. Now, if you have any number greater than 1, that converges to a number and you can... Uh, that's very easy to do. I, he says very easy. It's an undergraduate maths course. If your number is negative, that's where things get weird because it diverges. But that's only the left-hand side that diverges. The gamma function still has its formula. And if you do this thing called analytic continuation, mm -hmm. you can you can prove, and this is what I'm, I'm not saying I understand this, but you can prove that 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4, so what you're doing is you're making x minus 1. When you make x minus 1, you get 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5. And what you find, if you do this analytic continuation of the gamma function, it equals minus 1 twelfth. Wow. So we add a load of numbers together. We yes. get a negative number. Yes. Whoa. Wow. And I, 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 I wish this... Please. This is why the train is... These Indian dudes are clever. <laughs> they were very clever. So... It, this train has hit me. I would love to be able to explain that so, more. So maybe let's just go to a simpler thing because, you know, I realise not everyone has done an undergraduate maths class. Yes, please okay? do. Let's, let's add the number 1 minus 1 uh, here we go, yes. plus 1 minus 1 plus 1. So each time I'm, you know, I've got plus 1 minus 1 plus 1 minus 1 plus 1 minus 1. Yeah? Okay. So right. if I add all those numbers together and go on forever, what's the sum of that? Zero. Ah. Oh, is it? What if I bracket them in different... So I've got one minus one plus one minus one. Let me take that first one away. So I've got one, and then I've got minus one plus one, minus one plus one, minus one plus one. So they'll all cancel out, and I'll have one left. So the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth terms cancel out, and all we're left with is the first term. Ah, uh, okay. So it could be one. It could be two. It could be three. Because it diverges, it could be anything. All bets are off. You can find ways of rearranging those numbers to get you anything. So I think this was fairly badly explained in the film. Oh, so yeah. the title is The Man Who Knew Infinity. Um, and, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the trivial stuff that Ramanujan... Ram, Ram, I can't say his name. Ramanujan. We agreed on the production. Ramanujan did was working out different ways of, uh, of you know, adding up infinite things. Yes. Um, oh, and but yeah, that, that did not come across in the film. No. Um, but it's a nice title, isn't it? The man who knew infinity. And I've got to say, yeah. uh, on this yeah. point of his mathematics, they did, like I say, they had Ken Ono there. And Ken Ono is sort of the most recent proponent of the work that Ramanujan did um, in terms of these uh, infinite series um, uh, and partition functions and things like that. Um, so all the maths in the background stem from Ramanujan's papers. You can you can match the, the diagrams on the boards to his papers. So they, they really did their homework there. Well, was he was he prolific? Because I, I come away from watching this movie with a big sense of inadequacy. <laughs> it, 
It's like this guy who had no formal education came away and, you know, basically came up with everything, you know, redefined pure mathematics. You know, what I know he, like, you know, was only active for, you know, an unfortunately short time, but, what, 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 you know, what, was his contribution, uh, you know, remarkable? Oh, yeah, was yeah, yeah. He, was he, yeah the, the, um, his notebooks are still producing things that people work on. I think the last biggest thing that he worked on was 2006. Someone um, extended some of his theories even then. So, I mean, it comes down to this... Is it useful or do we care or anything like that? Well, what's the point? But if you're if you love maths for math's sake, his ideas are still permeating pure mathematics to this very day. And in terms of what did he do, he I think there's somewhere here over three thousand theorems, proofs, and theorems that he wow. Produced. This this kind of leads me on to I suppose I've got kind of two big questions, and they're both quite big. One of yep. them isn't really a maths question as such, but genius oh yes but he is sort of what you might call a genius yes oh yes what happened was there some mutation in you know that just made their brains better i mean is it kind of i just find it fascinating that there's kind of that we're capable of understanding these things you know and i mean well i i it is a big question but i think the short answer is no one knows i mean have you ever heard of the um beethoven effect or Mozart effect, sorry, Mozart, yeah. Mozart effect. So if you play Mozart to your unborn baby, it will apparently be smarter, yeah. even though that's been debunked now. But we have no idea what creates genius. If we did, we'd be pumping them out left, right and centre. But Dev Patel's got it. I mean, not only did he write all these papers, he also wrote one who wants to be with his dad. <laughs> and he runs a very successful chain of hotels. <laughs> Does he? What interests me about this movie, um, and you know, got me thinking a bit, was that uh, Ramanujan obviously came from a... Uh, you know, a less privileged background um, and had limited access to sort of traditional Western mathematics, you know, still managed to get these sort of great ideas in his Mm. head. Mm. Um, And, you know, the the film very much sort of portrays the sort of, you know, the taming of him into into making these proofs work. Um, And I, I wonder, you know, how much by us teaching mathematics, you know, so when we teach mathematics, when we teach an undergraduate maths course, you know, we start at the beginning you know, we sort of start with an argument, yep. we develop it through, and we tend to stifle quite a lot of creativity. Oh, good, yeah, yeah. I guess so. So, you know, I, I wonder, one, if that's the right way. Uh, 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 you know, it reminds me very much of, you know, I, I see a lot of, you know, young students, you know, 18-year-olds that are very able mathematicians, and they come to university and they find adapting to a very formulaic way of proving yeah. things very difficult. I completely agree. Um, I, I would say I didn't understand mathematics until I just started doing research. Uh, yeah, and you you know you you get different things, but but there's there's a huge gap between A level and undergraduate yes. where you go away from sort yes. of you know being able to get the answer to being able to show the answer is correct. Yeah. And I guess in this movie we've seen someone that's done it at a much larger age so he's got that natural genius which then you know has to be tamed so you can communicate it to others and uh, it made me wonder well you know are we doing the right thing should we um you know should we encourage people to pe- be more creative with their maths should people just be able to sort of scroll the equations and the walls of public buildings so you know, in um in secondary teaching and actually yes. primary teaching probably as well um 10 years ago and maybe still there's this idea that you could teach maths entirely by what they call rich tasks. So you just kind of, you know, you kind of give them like a triangle and say, tell me things about it. And that's okay. it. So a kind of, you, you kind of... You're giving like a little mini um, research project. Here is a triangle. Yeah, you'll give them kind what, of a, what you a thing. You, 
yeah and kind of and it it's some sort of way of teaching ability mm. and, um but and the idea it just means the teacher can go off and have a drink of coffee while they look at triangles yeah yeah i mean that was basically my 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 main aim at all times but yeah <laughs> this kind of idea of, of rather than kind of teaching by rote you kind of just let children sort of discover I mean, there has to be two sides of this coin, though. I would love to say, Ben, let people run free and joy and frolic in the in the joys of mathematics and the forests of numbers. But at the end of it, <laughs> you do have to have that rigor. But do you to prove something? I mean, you do, we, we've talked about that. So without proof, we're nothing. Mathematicians are nothing. Oh. But I mean, do we need proof for anything other than communicating so, ideas? As, as an applied mathematician. I have never proved anything. Oh. But that makes me, I would say, I'm more physicist. I'm more, I wouldn't say biologist. I would never, you know, I, I can't claim that. I'm more physicist. I use the mathematics as a tool. It's a hammer. It's a chisel. Yes. It's a, uh, Applied mathematics care more about the yes, result. Yes, A pure mathematician needs that surety, that rigour to know and understand that world that they can see. And I, I think surely also... If you just kind of said, and uh, go, everyone. Everyone would just kind of prove stuff that had already been proven. Oh, yeah. No point well, that. Well, no, that's still useful because people find different ways of proving the same thing, which can then lead to different proofs. So uh, it, there's a wonderful book on um, like Pythagoras. I can't yes. remember. There's something like 200 different proofs of Pythagoras, yeah. and you can. It's just got 200 different ways of proving. It. Some of which are geometry, some of which are statistical, some of which are uh, uh, lovely. Uh, but you, yeah, I mean, this is what we were saying earlier. By doing the proof, you learn something about the world, and you can maybe generalize to something else. You know. And that's why I say the proof is the point. Um, so here's my next question. Oh, good. It's a biggie. Right. Why can't we? Finish maths. Oh, 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 this is great. This is a wonderful question. And you know that train coming towards me? I'm riding that train. I can ride this one. So. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ride it, Tom. Tom ride Tom, it. You are not Tom, the train, Liz. Tom, okay. The train is not you. I don't like being ride called it, the train. Ride it. But I don't think we should be. We should tell our listeners that you're now riding the train. In the mass train. They're all aboard. <laughs> toot, toot, mass train. Okay, here's, gonna, here's something that's going to blow your mind. There wow. are things okay. in mathematics that are true, but no one can prove okay. them. They will be true, but we can never show that they're true. They are outside our, our system of proof. This was done by Kurt Gödel. And now you can do maths to show that they're undecided. Because this is why it's, if, if, a, if a statement can either be proved true or false, it's undecidable. Um, and you can prove that it's undecidable but you can never prove it's true or false. And that's why mathematics can never finish, because you can't prove everything. But surely at that point you just give up. <laughs> like, I mean, can't, can't you just prove everything that can be proven and then and then be like, oh, and this is other stuff we can't prove. The end. <laughs> Damn, she's got a point there. Um, no, the other, right, there's another thing that Kurt Gödel proved, which was the incompleteness theorem. So he said that you can't prove everything from a uh, finite set of axioms. So you can always add a new axiom on and get a different proof system. So you can always prove... So an axiom is something, an axiom is something that you hold to be yeah, true. Yeah, so it, it rests so on it's, nothing It's a fundamental else. belief about the world. So we believe one plus one equals two and then everything else follows. So, so for, uh, right. uh, for one of the earliest um, Euclid's geometry, so he was a Greek geometry, he said, I'm going to take it self-evident between... Um, given, given a point and a line through that point there is only one line parallel to my other line and he took that as self-evident 
people throughout history tried to take that back further and prove it from something else, but they couldn't. Interestingly, if you take a different axiom there, you can prove a whole different type of geometry. Yeah. So the, the Euclidean geometry is only one type. There are other types of geometry with different axioms. So this is why maths can never finish, because you just, it's a game. If you finish one game, you change the rules, you make another game. It's all a game. But, I mean, we've been doing it for a really long time. <laughs> we've been doing sex for a really long time. Should we stop doing that? Have we? <laughs> I, I was talking about mathematics. I don't know what you were doing under the table. <laughs> it's, it's the main there, the fictional the main. She's at the intro and the outro. Yeah, ben thinks he has perfected sex. Yeah. <laughs> well, she only comes in off. So she she's only allowed in after we're but done. Once we're done, ah. I bring her in. She records the intro and then she's out again. Oh, oh! What am I talking about? There's also Turing. Let me talk about Turing because we'll we'll meet him later. Alan Turing. He proved the Anscheidungs problem. German word, the Anscheidungs problem. Is, isn't it called the halting problem? The halting problem. Yes. So it, it's German for the halting problem. Um, and he showed mathematically <laughs> that there are state. A, a computer can never determine whether all programs will either stop or com- continue to infinity. You can't do that mechanistically. Um, you, some, some processes will stop. Some processes will diverge. So if you had, say, get a, get a computer to add up the sums one, two, three up to infinity, that would take forever. That would go on. But if you said to a computer, calculate the addition of one to ten, that would stop. So that there are two programs I could feed into a computer. Now I can ask a computer... Can I tell which programs which will terminate and those which will not? Which ones will halt and which ones will won't? And you cannot auto. He proved that you cannot automate this, and it was a very beautiful proof. And we might see it next week. Hint, hint about what we're going to be seeing next week. Well, I've actually finished my maths questions, so. Okay, well, 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 let's go to the puzzle zone then, shall we? Nobody mentioned seventeen twenty-nine. This is boring. <laughs> Okay, Ben, a couple of weeks ago, you gave us a problem. Tell us the problem, man. Give us the Ah, answer. Yes, I did. So I had a uh, (laughs) non-gender specific uh, (laughs) A a, a grocer. Um, And uh, uh, the grocer had a 40 kilogram weight on a a pair of scales, so a balance scale, um, and the weight fell to the floor. And he was... The Uh, grocer was about to throw it away. (laughs) And... um, (laughs) The grocer was about to throw it away and uh, I said, stop, no, these scales can now be used to uh, measure the weight of any integer amount of apples up to 40 kilograms. Okay, Um, so uh, and it split into four different weights. And the question was, uh, what were these weights? So did anyone get an answer? I I know this question, but Um, so Liz, do you know the answer? I'm afraid I gave it no thought. Liz. Oh dear! Liz. You need to so you need to remind me of the puzzle the day before. We right, record. fine, okay. Yeah, I mean, you could like you could like listen batch the podcast yeah. or <laughs> something. So Ben, give us the answer. So uh, the answer is one, three, nine, and twenty-seven. Okay, which is interesting because it links very neatly with the binary uh, question I had just before you. So my my chain link uh, question was about binary. This is all about ternary. Yes. Okay. So uh, one times three is three. Three times three is nine, and three times nine is twenty-seven. Okay. So we've got one, three, nine, twenty-seven. So uh, which add up to it's a, it's a, yes, it's a ternary answer. So um, the way most people do this is just to do it by trial and error. 
just to sort of um, you know think about some weights. Okay, so we know we're going to get one, so we we need to be able to weigh one, so we know for sure that we, we've got a good guess that one is going to be one of our weights. We also need to be able to weigh two kilograms of apples. So we need to have two weights that differ by two kilograms, perhaps. So we've already chosen one. So why don't we choose one and three? OK, so we've got weights of one and three. So we can measure one by having one on its own. We can measure two by having three and one on the scale. We can measure three by having three on its own. And then we can measure four by having three and one on one side of the scale and nothing on the other side. And so on. And so on. So you could keep working this out. Um, there's a much more clever um, uh, uh, explanation about uh, uh, writing this as a ternary expansion. Um, and uh, uh, we'll maybe put a link to that on the website for those that are interested. So this time it's my go. And Liz, pay attention. I'm actually, I think I'm, I'm going to give you two. Okay. Because one is really easy. And one is a question that Ramanujan. Oh, Ramanujan. So it's... It, it, it's thematic. So the first question is, I have bought a bottle and a cork Ooh. for one pound tempe. One pound tempe. One pound tempe. One pound tempe. The bottle costs one pound more than the cork. How much are the bottle and the cork? Now, that's the simple one. Don't think about it now. 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 And the second question is, this is what this was apparently given to Ramanujan, and he answered it instantly because that's what he could do. I live on a street with more than one house, so you can't have the trivial answer of one. So there are more than one house on this street, and all the houses on this street are numbered consecutively one, two, three, four, and Do you seven. call it a, ha- a street here if you've only got one house on it? I don't live in a hamlet. <laughs> I live on a street with a, a number it's of houses. It's just a field with a house in it, I think, there. I... Okay. You just call it a drive. Right. If it's just a street with one house, it's a driveway, isn't it? <laughs> I am not a hermit. <laughs> I have. I live on a street with a number yes, of. Yes, you live with the fiction all the rain. Oh, for goodness' sake! Go give us a puzzle. Give this us a puzzle. Point. Maybe the rain this has the her house. <laughs> she doesn't exist. She can have as many houses as she needs. She might live in a hamlet. She might live on a street. She's fictional. Who cares? And what amazingly, I live in the house such that all the numbers below, if you add them up, equal exactly all the numbers above my house so remove my house from the, from the, the street and you add up all the numbers below and all the numbers above and they equal exactly the same number how many houses are on this street and what house do i live on and now i will tell you now this is quite i've looked at the answer of this and this is really quite difficult to get the generality but if you just want to have a go at the simple case then you can just do it by trial okay what's the name of the street <laughs> ramanujan <laughs> avenue if 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 the listeners get it right, should we just come round? Yeah, please do. I live, I live at that number, Cardiff. Okay. <laughs> yeah, write in, listeners. Um, are you in dinner with the rain? <laughs> yes, to, to, to see she is really real. I mean, I think, I think we might see some bruises on Tom next week, which will, will be proof <laughs> that rain is right, because... She'll, she'll hear that Tom has promised di- a date with her. I was going to say, it's this is a podcast. podcast. How will that prove We know that Ben and I always speak the truth. So, we uh, will test. Oh, that's what we could do one week. Have you always speak the truth? Have Ben always lie? And see how far we get I mean, with that. Tom, that's just basically how our friendship works. <laughs> that's true. That is true, actually. I've got to say. This is guide to dating. Um, and so with that, as usual, if you, if you do think you know the answer, please email us at 
podcastmathsat gmail.com or tweet at us podcastmathsat um, and if you've really enjoyed listening to us because we enjoy listening to ourselves but we feel like other people should too send them a copy of the podcast uh, write love emails to other people and say listen to these guys send a self-addressed envelope addressed to the rain at uh, <laughs> Ramanujan <laughs> Avenue at that number Cardiff, Cardiff. And, and like I say just please get other people involved if you enjoy it other people will too so tell them about it and with that let's wrap up Ooh. things so Liz did you enjoy the movie? Um, I thought it was a good film didn't like people being mean to Dev Patel oh. so I found it I mean I, I like a happy film and it was not a happy you do, film you do so I, I think it was good I think artistically it was meritorious, um, but I didn't enjoy it so much because I was sad. Oh, uh, but so, so what are you marking out of? What's your mark scheme? This. Oh, um, okay. So this week I am going to mark it out of minus a twelve. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this marks me nothing. <laughs> this mark- <laughs> This marks me nothing. <laughs> Take it seriously. <laughs> so I'm objectively going to mark it. So even though it made me sad, I think I will probably give it minus a 14. <laughs> yes. Okay, then. What do you think? Um, I, you know, the bit in the middle, or the, you know, towards the end, where they were doing the mathematics, I liked it. It reminded me of my university days, sat in a small room in Trinity, doing stuff I didn't quite understand with a slightly dodgy older man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm going to mark it out of 1,729. I knew it! Um, I knew it! And um, I'm going to give it 1,312. Um, you know, I liked it. It wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't as good as it was cracked up to be. Uh, the mathematics wasn't as developed as it could be. And I hated the storyline set in India. The, uh, the the wife and the old mother not getting on. Like, what was the point of that when you could have been doing mathematics? But overall, it's a good movie. And if anyone hasn't watched it, why the hell are they still listening to this podcast? <laughs> Go <and> watch it. <laughs> OK, uh, my scoring is going to be out of infinity. Ooh. Yes, exactly. So uh, whatever score I give, it's going to be zero compared to infinity. <laughs> um, I love Jeremy Irons. I, I think people said, let's go back to Proof. People said Proof is a great film to really see what mathematicians are like. You know, they portray math. No, they don't. If you really want to see what a mathematician looks like and acts like, look at Jeremy Irons in this film. He he portrays it so subtly when he doesn't catch anyone's eye. He's always looking down at his feet. He shuffles. He he mumbles. He grumbles. And I that took me back to my tutors. So out of infinity, I will give it uh, a ten. Um, and for the mathematics, <laughs> it's I, I I actually did like the mathematics. But I, in the back of my, my, my mind, I knew that Liz was just going to come and wipe the floor with me because I, I didn't know enough. Um, so I'm going to give it um, an 11 out of infinity for the mathematics. Mm, quite high then. What we're doing next. Oh, drum roll. That was a terrible drum roll, but it's okay. Because we are doing, and as I said earlier, I don't really like biopics. Biopics. But next film we're doing is the imitation game. Oh, life is the name of the game. And I want... No? No, not quite. <laughs> That's the generation game. God, God rest God Bruce rest Walter. Bruce. Uh, so, so we are doing the... No, not the generation, the imitation game, the biopic, biopic. of Alan Turing, my mathematical wow. hero. So I'm going to love 
next time. Um, I have already seen it. I can't wait to see it again. Um, starring the wonderful uh, Bendy Bra Cummerbund. <laughs> Bendy Bra Cummerbund. That's his name, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Um, but the best thing is, so next time is our fifth podcast. Ooh. And to mark this milestone... Yes. We're going to have a super secret special guest. No way. Well, I'm, I'm very excited. About Who's this. the super I, secret well, special guest? You will have to wait until no! next week to find out. Are they real or imaginary? It's Alan Turing. I dug him up. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> this is such bad taste. <laughs> it, it, it's Bendy Bus Cabbage Wank. Oh, we've got him in. Oh, um, God. But that is that is all for next time. <laughs> and with that, I have been Thomas Woolley. <laughs> I've been in slightly better taste and been Ben Parker. And I have been their friend Liz. And with that, we are winning at mathematics and losing a life. Good night. Oh. Good night. Bye. This podcast is a random walks production performed by Thomas Woolley, Ben Parker, and the enigmatic Liz. Intro and outro music was Clonky Donkey by Nikolai Heidlas and the incidental stings were Cartoon Bank Heist from YouTube Audio Library. <laughs>